Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. Hey, math fans, Jason Marshall, Math Dude here with your weekly dose of quick and dirty tips to make math easier. In last week's episode, we paid tribute to the great Martin Gardner, truly a one-of-a-kind person. His prolific writing spanned a huge range of topics. Most notably for us math fans, he wrote the Mathematical Games column in Scientific American magazine for over 25 years. And, as you can imagine... That means he amassed an impressive collection of awesome puzzles over the course of his life. In the previous Math Dude episode, we learned about three of the puzzles that he dubbed to be amongst his best. Or at least they were good enough to be included in his book called My Best Mathematical and Logic Puzzles. As part of our continued celebration of the 100th anniversary of Martin Gardner's birth, this week we're going to take a look at a few more of his best puzzles. Our first puzzle this week is actually the last puzzle from part one of this Martin Gardner series. Although I described how to perform this parlor trick style math puzzle called the repetitious number, I didn't get around to describing how and why it works. To jog your memory, here's how Mr. Gardner describes this puzzle. Ask spectator A to jot down any three-digit number, and then to repeat the digits in the same order to make a six-digit number. For example, 394,394. With your back turned so that you cannot see the number, ask A to pass the sheet of paper to spectator B, who is requested to divide the number by 7. Don't worry about the remainder, you tell him, because there won't be any. B is surprised to discover that you are right. Without telling you the result, he passes it on to spectator C, who is told to divide it by 11. Once again, you state that there will be no remainder, and this also proves correct. With your back still turned and no knowledge whatever of the figures obtained by these computations, you direct a fourth spectator, D, to divide the last result by 13. Again, the division comes out even. The final result is written on a slip of paper, which is folded and handed to you. Without opening it, you pass it on to spectator A. Open this, you tell him and you will find your original three-digit number. You can try this trick as many times as you'd like on your friends, and you'll find that it works every time. But why? What's the math behind it? Well, while this puzzle seems like magic at first, a little thought shows that it's really not. The trick to figuring out how it works is to realize that the six-digit number you get by writing any three-digit number twice is the same as the six-digit number you get when you multiply any three-digit number by the number 1001. Do you see why that's true? The number 1001 is equal to 1000 plus 1. So multiplying any three-digit number by 1001 is the same as multiplying that three-digit number by 1000 and then adding the result to the three-digit number multiplied by 1. 
The end result is the same as if you just wrote the three-digit number twice, which is exactly why the spectator in the trick is told to do that. Why does this matter? Allow me to answer this question with a question. What's 7 times 11 times 13? You probably don't know that right off the top of your head, but if you multiply these three numbers out, you'll see that 7 times 11 times 13 is 1001. Aha, so this trick is really nothing more than first multiplying a three-digit number by 1001 and then successively dividing it by the three prime factors of 1001. In other words, the elaborate steps in this trick ultimately accomplish nothing more than multiplying by 1001 and then dividing by 1001. The net result is that you always, always, always get back the three-digit number you started with. It may look like magic, but it's really math. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge, with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive, or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan. Another entry from Martin Gardner's best puzzle compilation is called Scrambled Box Tops. Here's how he describes it. Imagine that you have three boxes, one containing two black marbles, one containing two white marbles, and the third, one black marble and one white marble. The boxes were labeled for their contents, BB for black black, WW for white white, and BW for black white. But someone has switched the labels so that every box is now incorrectly labeled. You are allowed to take one marble at a time out of any box without looking inside. And by this process of sampling, you are to determine the contents of all three boxes. What is the smallest number of drawings needed to do this? I'm happy to admit that my first guess at the solution to this puzzle was wrong. And I was initially quite surprised to find out that it could be solved by looking at only a single marble. How is that possible? After all, there are three boxes whose contents are unknown, a total of six marbles. How can you determine exactly what's in each of them after seeing only half the contents of one? As I found out, the trick here is to realize that all three boxes are always incorrectly labeled. It's never the case that only two of them are mislabeled. Once you realize this, it's not too tough to see how drawing a single marble could tell you everything. For example, imagine you draw a white marble from the box labeled BW, black-white. Since this box is known to be mislabeled, the only possibility is that the other marble in it is also white, since it can't really be the black-white box. So this is actually the white-white box, and that's actually all you need to know. The other two remaining boxes are mislabeled white-white and black-white, although we now know that they must actually be the black-black and black-white boxes. Since all three boxes are mislabeled, the box labeled black-white cannot be the actual black-white box. It must, therefore, actually be the black-black box. And finally, the box labeled black-black must really be the true black-white box. It's kind of confusing, I know, but it makes perfect sense if you think about it a bit. 
And we can deduce all of this from looking at the color of only a single marble. Isn't logic awesome? Our final puzzle for today is called cutting the cube. Martin Gardner describes it as follows. A carpenter working with a buzzsaw wishes to cut a wooden cube, three inches on a side, into 27 one-inch cubes. He can do this easily by making six cuts through the cube, keeping the pieces together in the cube shape. That's two slices in the vertical direction, then rotating the cube 90 degrees and two more slices in the vertical direction, all followed up by two final horizontal slices. The question is, can the carpenter reduce the number of necessary cuts by rearranging the pieces after each cut? What do you think? Can you come up with a way to do it in fewer than six cuts? As it turns out, the carpenter in this puzzle has done the best that he or she can do and no rearrangement of the pieces can reduce the number of required cuts to fewer than six. How can we say this with certainty? As Mr. Gardner points out in his book, the easiest way to convince yourself that no fewer than six cuts are required is to think about the one-inch cube that will be extracted from the very center of the larger cube. This particular cube is completely embedded within the larger cube, and none of its eventual six faces even exist before any cuts are made. As such, in order to create this one-inch cube, we have no choice but to make six cuts, one for each face. And since this cube at the center requires six cuts, the entire process of chopping the larger cube up into 27 smaller cubes must require no fewer than six cuts as well. Okay, that's all the math we have time for today. If you've enjoyed today's math puzzles, I highly recommend you pick up one or two or ten of Martin Gardner's wonderful books. They're full of mathematical fun. And be sure to check out Scientific American's Martin Gardner tribute page for tons of additional info about him and his puzzles. You can find the link to that page in the web article version of this podcast. That's available at quickanddirtytips.com mathdude. While you're taking a look at that tribute page, you can also pick up a copy of the ebook Martin Gardner, The Magic and Mystery of Numbers. It's an awesome collection of Mr. Gardner's most popular mathematical games and puzzles. If you're looking for even more fun with math, please check out my book, The Math Dude's Quick and Dirty Guide to Algebra. And remember to become a fan of The Math Dude on Facebook at facebook.com slash themathdude and on Twitter at twitter.com slash jasonmarshall. Until next time, this is Jason Marshall with the Math Dude's quick and dirty tips to make math easier. Thanks for listening, math fans. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug-in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge with a hybrid option for longer adventures. Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com slash US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan.